What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door was occupied by something not human? Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. No one believes you. Mom, I didn't have a nightmare. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, the tenant! It knows that you know. You'll do anything to protect yourself. But it will do anything to protect its secret. night of your life. Hello and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast uh, that will slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a thing and it's as it's February, i.e. the love month, I'm doing vampire movies or love sucks. This month I'm looking at Vamp, the little known 80s Grace Jones weird ass vampire movie, Fright Night Remake from 2011, Fright Night 2 from 1988, and today's movie, 1985's Fright Night, the classic vampire movie that introduced us to ultra-cool vampire Jerry Dandridge, and brought back vampires from dusty old castles to modern-day settings. This movie also brought us one of the most annoying characters ever in (coughs) Evil Ed, played by the ever-squeaky Sam Ritter. Oh, sorry, that should be (coughs) Stephen Jeffries. <clears throat> Moving on, it's nine million dollar budget. This thing pulled in twenty four point nine. So now that we have this slightly cheesy vampire movie that proves vampires don't sparkle, oh, that's a dated reference right there, John. Let's sink our teeth into Fright Night, starring Chris Sarandon, William Ragsdale, Amanda Burrs, Rowdy McDowell, and Stephen Jeffries, directed by Tom Holland. The plot, a teenage horror movie fan, thinks his new neighbour might be a vampire. After some suspicious deaths in the town, he finds out it's all true. So, he goes to Burned Out Horror Host for help, but he thinks he's just a teenage mad fan and doesn't listen. The vampire turns his best friend and goes after his girlfriend because she looks like his one true love. Can a teen stop the vampire, save his friend, his girlfriend and help the horror host face his fears. Find out here. So the movie opens up on a howling wolf to a full moon, a bloody huge ass one, which is well and truly fake. I mean, moving on. Then we hear audio from Dracula 1937 as Nina seduces Jonathan Harker. And is it wrong if I actually seen this version of Dracula? Hmm. Moving on. Anyway, turns out this audio is used in some fake horror movie. Uh, it's supposed to be from the 60s. Uh, note, Jonathan uh, Harker is played by Bob Groff and Nina is played by Pamela Brown as a lip-sync of the dialogue. And here is an introduction to Peter Vincent, played by Rowdy McDowell of Planet Apes fame. He's playing a Van Helsing type in this fake-ass movie. The camera pans out from this shocking acting to show a typical mid-80s teen bedroom. 
Down to the floor where I meet Charlie Brewster, played by William Ragsdale of Mannequin 2, Big Mama's House 2, Roadhouse 2, and God, this guy's got a thing for sequels and a fucking boat ton of TV shows. He's left blue-balled by his girlfriend Amanda Peterson, played by Amanda Burrs of Married Children. As Charlie pushes her too far into sex, does she push him off? And hashtag, me too mate, me bloody too, you fucking perv. Anyway, on to TV, do we see how far Peter Vincent has fallen, hosting a late night horror show, uh, think Elvira, but with less talent and less boobs. Although more hammy, if that's even possible. Mind you, I've seen that he was a hammy actor in the 70s, 60s, 70s, doing schlocky vampire movies, so maybe this is actually an improvement. Because sadly, in Britain, we didn't have late night horror hosts such as... What's his name? Billy Joe Bob Briggs, what the hell his name is. Or Elvira. We just had teletext, which fucking sucked. Still to this day, actually, we have teletext. I mean, the fucking TV goes off at, what, two in the morning, and it's all fucking boring as shit. Moving on. Actually, scratch that. What I said about Amy. She goes from, oh no, I don't want to have sex, to just jump into bed and let's fuck like fucking rabbits. Talk about mixed signals, love. Jesus. It's here. Charlie first sees the strange goings on next door as two men are carrying a plastic looking coffin into the basement. And here the movie plays tribute to Rear Window, coming soon, bye bye, as Charlie uses binoculars to spy on his new neighbour. Amy gets pissed as Charlie continues to spy on his neighbour while she's in bed practically throwing herself at him. As all Charlie can say is there's two men carrying a plastic coffin. As on a the TV, there's a scene of a funeral happening in a mist-filled English moor. Amy thinks it's all in Charlie's head and just fucks off. Well, storms out, actually stress and storms out the <clears throat> By the way, if a 17-year-old boy had a snowball's chance in the pits of the very bowels of hell, of getting into the pants of his girlfriend, who, by the by, has been keeping him at arm's length for over a year. Uh, no matter if aliens landed next door, he'd be in that bed being a two-hump chomp in a matter of nanoseconds. Mm-hmm. Love the fact, also, these two are supposed to be 17, when Ragsdale was actually 24 and Burrs was 27. I gotta love Hollywood casting. Indeed, Burns was the last girl to be seen, and she was hired on a spot for her quote, girl next door look. As I said, with that, Amy storms uh, off down the stairs, with Charlie following her as she blitz out in front of Charlie's mother, played by Dorothy Fielding, that first he wanted to make love, and if he doesn't, awkward. Amy leaves as Charlie is still spying on his neighbour. Uh, here his mum tells him the house was sold and she hopes to meet the new attractive neighbour. On TV does the news report a suspicious death of a man found behind railway tracks. The next day, at school, do we meet Charlie's best friend, Evil Ed, played by Stephen Jeffries of 976 Evil fame and other adult education, adult movies. <coughs> Why the hell is he called evil? Just because he likes horror films and his humour is a little dark? Or is it the fact he has an annoying voice and personality? Mm. Driving home in his 1966 Ford Mustang, which was actually Tom Holland's, which he wrote off ten years later. Does Charlie see a hooker leaving a cab looking for the next door? The house next door, another. He goes inside to ask his mother if she's met the next door neighbour yet. She says no, but rumour has it he has a... Living Carpenter. So that's what you called it, 80s then. Okay then. 
Charlie goes upstairs to study because he's failing at math. And here he, he, he uh, <laughs> say again. Here he hears his neighbour, Jeremy Dandridge, played by Chris Sarnan of Child's Play, check my archives, and night before Christmas, check my archives, fame. And this hooker screaming her lungs out, which nobody finds fucking suspicious in a small little town. I don't fucking think so. Bloody curtain twitchers. <clears throat> the next afternoon, Amy comes to say sorry for running hot and cold. She has him so train tower he actually says sorry to her talk about pussy what on the radio i think it's radio actually or is it a tv oh, girls there's another report of yet another death ah god this jerry guy is greedy and sloppy two feedings in two days but he just jumps his sorry he dumps his bodies not cutting them up or burying them he just dumps them out in the open i mean sloppy evil ed points out to charlie at that's two and two days, and then laughs as both their heads have been chopped off. God, this guy's annoying. Amy is so mad at Charlie, he smacks him in the face of a sloppy Joe or hamburger, whatever the fuck that thing was, and we get the immortal eye. You're so cool. Okay, do his voice is too fucking high pitched. You're so cool, Brewster. I can't stand it. Ugh, his voice. Returning home, Charlie tries to enter the next door basement, but he's stopped by Billy, played by Jonathan Stark of House Toofing. Again, check my archives. He's Jerry's <coughs> handyman and chases Charlie away. So that night, while not watching some cheap zombie movie, does Charlie spy on Jerry yet again. Nothing happens. The TV shows static on the, on the screen as the camera pans across the bedroom floor. Do we see it strewed with Playboy mags and empty crisps, that's chip packets, and cans of coke? What the fuck? Who reads bloody porn while munching on chips and or crisps and downing fucking cans of coke? Oh, the 80s. <clears throat> Charlie is awakened somehow as Jerry feeds on another hooker with the window and curtains wide opened. Subtle Jerry, real fucking subtle. With that, Charlie runs next door to wake up his mother, but she doesn't believe his late night rantings, because why the fuck would you? Charlie runs outside to see Billy putting a body bag inside his jeep. Jerry then flies down from the roof, landing next to Billy. He throws him the hooker's purse as he's chomping on an apple. And note, this was Sandy's idea to have Jerry munching on fruit, as he thinks Jerry is a fruit bat. Well, in that case, wouldn't he be... He wouldn't be fucking killing hookers. He'd be munching on fucking fruit, you moron. Oh, he cut this fucking vampire. It was also his idea for Jerry to wear the long overcoat and not the traditional cape. Uh, Jerry sees Charlie spying on him, uh, thanks to his mother's loud fucking mouth. This spooks Charlie and he runs inside. His mother gives him hot chocolate with marshmallows, thinking he's sick, but Charlie just screams. Jerry is a vampire to both him and Amy the next morning. Who don't believe him? Because why the fuck would they? So Charlie runs to the cops and he will meet Detective Lennox, played by Art Evans of Die Hard 2 fame. Again, check my archives. He and Charlie are greeted by Billy, who invites them in as a detective questions Billy. Does Charlie do some snooping, noticing a lot of clocks and a painting of a woman who looks suspiciously like Amy? Billy then tells the detective Jerry is away doing business and he never heard or saw anything last night or the night before other. All Charlie saw was him carrying trash but Charlie demands to see the basement blotting out. They'll find Jerry in a coffin sleeping the sleep of the undead as he's a vampire in Nosferatu. 
Both Billy and Detective laugh it off, as outside Detective is pissed at Charlie, threatening to toss him in jail if he pulls something like this ever again. Charlie then drives to Evil Head's house in a panic, telling it the vampire knows he knows he is a vampire and needs protection. After mocking him and taking his cash, does Ed give Charlie a small gold cross, telling him he must have true th- faith in order for this to work, and it will keep Jerry at bay. Also for him to stack up on garlic and hot water, saying his ultimate protection is a vampire cannot cross the threshold of a house unless invited in by the one true owner. Now wait a minute here, if Charlie's a horror fan, shouldn't he know all this stuff? I mean, what was he doing, just watching this stuff as he's making out with Amy on the floor? Later does Charlie nail his window shut, uh, so he just does his own window set and no one else, selfish bastard. Unfortunately, his mother has invited Jerry over for drinks, and I love the fact that Jerry is sipping on a Bloody Mary. Subtle. Jerry subtly tells Charlie he can come and go as he pleases now. He's been invited, and he'll see Charlie real soon. Charlie runs upstairs to hide in his bedroom. That night, Jerry pays him a little visit after locking the mother in her bedroom, threatening him to forget about him or he is dead. A note, when Jerry drags Charlie across the room, Ragsdale is on some sort of skateboard type thing. I think it's actually furniture coasters, but... Would that work? I mean, skateboard, whatever. Charlie pulls out the cross, uh, but it has no effect. I guess he doesn't. He isn't a true believer then. Hmm. So just before Charlie throws him out the window, does Charlie try to stake Jerry with a pencil? And by the way, this mother is some sound bloody sleeper. All this noise from Charlie getting thrown out of his room... And his room getting smashed up, that doesn't wake her at all. I mean, even the window getting smashed opened, that doesn't wake her. No. And Charlie's screaming. Anyway, Charlie drives a pencil through Jerry's hand. This shows off the elongated fingers that Sarandon hated to wear because it was difficult to go to the bathroom. It also shows Jerry's true vampiric form. This finally wakes up the mother. Jesus Christ. As Jerry flies off, the mother asks Charlie if he's okay. And does he want a volume? Oh, you've got to love the bloody 80s. You know, just give your kids all his drugs in the world, you know, for crying out loud. With that, Charlie returns to his room to watch some Hammer Horror starring Christopher Lee as Dracula. Jerry calls Charlie to threaten him and tell him he has trashed his prized car. On TV, Charlie sees Peter Vincent and note he's named after Peter Cushion and Vincent Price. So Charlie's up with the idea of getting him to kill Jerry. Uh, doesn't even realise he's just a bad actor who plays a hunter on TV and actually a bloody vampire hunter. Because there's no such thing as vampires, fruitcake! Uh, oh God, I hate that you word. <clears throat> the next afternoon, Charlie goes to see Peter at the studio to beg him for help. But he hears none of it, thinking he's just a crazed fan. And besides, he's been fired as teenagers don't want vampire movies anymore. They just want mass killers on a rampage. Ooh, swipe it, fucking Jason there. Also, shouldn't Charlie be in school? Uh, later that afternoon, Amy pulls up outside Charlie's house and on her Vesper, how very 80s, just as Evil Ed shows up uh, to see Charlie. And both enter Charlie's room, finding it jam-packed of crosses, garlic candles and other holy icons, with Charlie sharpening a steak. Both Ed and Amy think he's nuts. Even after, on the TV, there's another report of another dead body found. I mean, come on, that's what, four, five? Bonnies and a couple of days. Jesus, jinkies. 
Also, the police would have checked it. Oh, we're moving on. Amy tries her best to talk Charlie out of not killing Jerry because he could be human. And it's all in Charlie's bloody well head. Ah, going across the street into this house all alone. He needs some backup, such as Peter Vincent. But Charlie says he's already tried him, but he will not help. So with that, Amy and Ed track down Peter, who is getting evicted from his house. God, talk about rock bottom. Amy tells Peter everything but won't help until she pays him 500 bucks to go over to see Charlie. Note on the wall is a face sculpt of McDowell, used for his Cornelius makeup in the Planet of the Apes. At 6pm, all of Jerry's clocks chime. Ed calls Jerry to ask if it's okay to come over to help Charlie with his psychosis. He says fine, but no crosses or hot water as he's a born again Christian. I just gotta love that one. Jerry tells him he's off out tonight, but to come over the next day at 6pm for the um, meeting. Next night, Charlie and company go over to Jerry's house with Peter armed with some, quote, hollow water, which is actually just tap water. In they go, and Jerry, uh, Jerry, Jerry even passes the vampire test with them all but to leave. Does Peter notice on his cigarette case mirror that Jerry has no reflection? This freaks out the cowardly horror host who runs back to his flat to hide. Charlie and Ed walk Amy home until Ed decides to walk down a dark alley all on his lonesome, not listening to Charlie's warnings. But of course, Ed plays a trick on them, pretending to be bitten, so when Jerry does actually attack him and turn him, they don't listen to his screams. And how the hell Chris Sarandon never picked up on the homoerotic undertones, I will never know. A. He is a manservant. B. The way he gently turns evil Ed. And C. The clothes. Plus, the sex song plays when he turns Ed. Jerry kills the streetlights and Swoop attacks Charlie, so he and Amy run to the local nightclub, where they try in vain to get in, so run around the back and get in via the kitchens. Once inside, Charlie calls the cops. As he's doing so, does evil Ed pay Peter a visit? Attacking him. However, Peter brands him with a crucifix before he's even bitten. Thankfully. Evil Ed is even more annoying in vampire form as he is a geek. The fucking teeth he's got that. I'm gonna give you a hickey and all that shit. Ugh, whatever. Feeling about the cowardly horror host and after his branding does Evil Ed dive out the window. Leaving the now slightly braver, if shaken up, Peter Vincent all alone. He knows vampires are real now. And note, I love the pairing of Vincent Price as a vampire next to the window that Evil Ed jumps out of. As back at the nightclub, Charlie has knock with the police. I guess it's the boy who cried wolf then. Even though it's not because it's only twice. Oh, whatever. Charlie gets Amy to give him Peter's telephone number. Uh, this gives Jerry the chance to enthrall Amy, seducing her on a dance floor. Of of course, they now shaking Peter doesn't want to help Charlie. And I gotta love the music playing in this club. It's so 80s, it's unreal. And the dance between Amy and Jerry, talk about slutty. I mean, Jesus. She pretty much gives him a blowjob and he pretty much finger blasts her on the bloody thing. Charlie and Jerry scuffle on the floor, so it's quickly broken up by bouncers. Jerry doesn't like this, so he slashes the neck of one of the bouncers and lifts the other one, who is quite... Large, I would say fat, uh, clean off the floor and throw some clean across the dance floor. Subtle. Mm. 
Panic ensues as Charlie loses Amy in the stampede. Charlie leaves the club only to see Amy and Evil Ed, now fully vamped out, drive off in Billy's Jeep. Now with nowhere to go but Peter Vincent, Charlie runs to his flat to tell him Jerry has Amy. Here, Peter tells Charlie he is not Peter Vincent, vampire killer, but he is an actor and Peter Vincent isn't even his real bloody well name. Pleading with Peter, Charlie tries his best into talking Peter into helping him, but the coward says no. Meanwhile, back at Jerry's house, it does he seduce Amy with the same song he turned Ed with, aka the sex song. Here he bites and turns Amy as two drops of blood run down her bare back at Do They Have Sex Off Screen. And by the way, apparently Amanda Burrs refused to do the, this scene naked. She didn't topless, but she had duct tape on her nipples and she insisted on Chris Randa being topless at the same time. It was also a clothes set, but apparently people were spying from the rafters. What a bunch of fucking pervs. Anyway, later that night, Josh... Charlie, all alone, head to Jerry's house, which now looks like the bloody Sego house for some reason. Mm, that's also fucking huge. It went from a two-floor house to, I think, four-floor house? I mean, Jesus Christ, and it's all gothic and spooky looking and the fog's pouring out of it. I mean, Jesus Christ. Peter comes out with the shadows, dressed in his vampire killer costume, to take on Jerry. Uh, Charlie asks, what about Billy? So Peter pulls out a gun. The two enter the front door with Peter telling himself he is Peter Vincent, the great vampire killer, and not a fucking terrible actor. Now inside, as Jerry stalks from outside, does Peter try to talk his way out? Jerry comes out of the shadows, down the staircase, taunting them as he does, dragging his fingers across the banister, ripping out the wood. Peter tries to face sorry, to face off against Jerry and force him back with a cross, but all Jerry does is crush it on his hand, saying you have to have true faith. Charlie pulls out the small gold cross Evil Ed gave him, and this forces Jerry back, until Billy bitch slaps him over the bloody railing and smacks himself on the solid marble floor. He dead. Mm-mm. I don't give a fuck what this movie says. He dead. He fell from that height, that force, he's dead. Peter, now all alone, runs next door, and here he's attacked by Evil Ed, now fully vamped out, hamming up outrageously, wearing a rag dolly Annie wig for some fucking reason. Uh, and during Peter's cowardly escape, he trips over a table, only to find Ed is now a werewolf. Wait a minute here. He hasn't fed that, therefore Ed is still a halfling. Isn't turning into a bat wolf and or missed a full vampire thing? I mean, come on. He's only been turned for less than 24 hours and he can turn into a, wer- uh, a wolf. I mean... Anyway, the wolf attacks. Peter sticks it with a table leg and watches in fear or 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 fear slash awe even as it turns back into a nude ed who dies a slow painful death i gotta say this werewolf detransformation is great right up there with american werewolf in london note stephen jeffries was underneath all that latex and he really was naked on sets for some fucking reason now dead and set free does evil ed turn human again with the cross brand burned off his head Meanwhile, Jerry throws a knocked-out Charlie into Vampire Amy, who is now dressed in a white, full-length ball-gown-type thing. A now teary-eyed, yet braver Peter rushes to Jerry's house with the table leg he pulled out of Evil Ed. And is this how he comes back to life? Hmm, and what is it with um, Stephen Jeffries getting staked with wood? 
Peter, <laughs> that's a terrible joke. Peter gets Charlie to make some noise as he breaks down the door. As down in the basement, Jerry and Billy fill a coffin with soil for some reason. Jerry hears the noise from Peter, so sits Billy on him as he checks on Amy. And I think bites her again. Peter shoots Billy right between the eyes, killing him until Jerry says a magic word to bring him back to life. So he sits up and attacks Peter, who fills him with more bullets, but all that does is cause smoke to come out of the body. Is Billy even a is he even human? Is he a golem? I mean, is he not a zombie? He's not a ghoul. Is he even vampiric? Is he a vampling? And what the fuck is he? Nothing works. Not even a steak from Charlie. However, this does cause him to melt into a puddle of slime. And what's it with the 80s movies and things melting into puddles of goo? I mean, with Billy turned to goo and sand for some reason, again, is he a golem? Does Charlie run to Amy, who has been bitten yet again by Jerry? And she isn't even more vamped out. Outside, Jerry wakes Amy, who has now has a long, terrible ginger wig and white, plastic-looking fangs. As Charlie goes downstairs to deal with Jerry, does Peter now have to deal with a fully pissed-off Jerry in full vampire mode? Why the fuck did Charlie go down? Whatever. Peter tries to keep Jerry at bay with a cross, but it doesn't work yet again because he doesn't have true faith. And one thing, why is Randy talking through these fake fangs when Evil Ed was dubbed? Shouldn't he have been ADR'd also? I mean, come on. Anyway, the sun rises. This gives Peter full faith. Every single clock strikes 6am as Jerry is now completely fucked. He turns into a giant bat. And a note when Malcolm McDowell, McDowell. Uh, uses the leg bone to keep the vampire from biting him. He actually broke the puppet's jaw. Peter holds off using a bone from Billy's leg. I think it's his thigh bone, actually. <laughs> As Charlie runs to help, he's bitten by the huge bat. Sunlight hits the vamp as he flies off in pain. Peter gives chase, finding Jerry in his coffin. However, he stakes him in the armpit, not the fucking heart. As he's doing this, Charlie deals with the great white shark, Amy. And how the fuck did you get past the sunlight? I mean, there's this huge bay window and it's pouring in sunlight. There's only one way out of the bedroom she was, which was past it or whatever. Amy and Charlie fight. I'm gonna mean fight. Uh, Charlie runs to keep Amy at bay. Ah, she takes swipes at him, throwing furniture at him. Uh, Peter stakes the vampire in the pits, as I said. Jerry a Jerry awakens and pulls up the stake and throws it at the painted over windows, which smash, allowing sunlight to pour in. This gives Charlie and Peter an idea. As they smash all the windows with nowhere to go, Jerry turns into a giant demon vampire bat and burns up in the sun. And note, uh, this puppet was made for Ghostbusters, coming soon by the way, but was deemed too scary uh, for Ghostbusters, but was perfect here. So that gigantic bat thing as it's burning on the wall was supposed to be the librarian ghost from Ghostbusters. With with that, Amy turns human again. Peter is back on TV with newfound confidence. However, the camera pans to Jerry's old house as two eyes glow with... Oh, oh, you're so cool, Brewster! (laughs) I can't stand it! As credits roll. So, 
That was Fright Night 1985, a great vampire movie with a clever script, great practical effects, acting, etc, etc. It's just an 80s-tastic good time. Watch it right now. You will not be disappointed. I'm going to give this thing a 9 out of 10. I would have given it 10 out of 10, but I'm knocking one off for Evil Ed. She's just so fucking annoying. That voice is like fucking chocknails down a bloody board. <clears throat> Don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe and also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod to vote on films I will cover in the future or email me Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com with movie suggestions. Don't forget to check out my other horror podcasts of Hellraiser, House, Resident Evil, Omen, Psycho and more. Also check out my solo podcast of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, Dracula, Monster Dog, The Thing and many, many more. A bye and remember, I watch these movies so you don't have to. Eh, ta-ta.